Welcome to the Paragold Podcast, Spirit Week Edition. This Friday is the Paragold Tech basketball game, and because this is not only the greatest rivalry in our city, but also in our state, we thought it would be a lot of fun to bring each district superintendent on, along with the high school basketball coaches. Now, as someone who grew up in this city going to these games, I found these interviews to be a lot of fun, and I hope you will enjoy them as well. Hey, if you're not already on our email list, subscribe today, and you're going to automatically receive a chance to win a gift card to Skinny J's right here in downtown Paragold. If you caught last week's episode with Max Bishop, you know that he said Skinny J's had the best steaks in the world. That's literally what he said. And so, of course, we recommend the steak, but if that's not your thing, you can use the gift card to pay for any other delicious items on the menu. Now, on to today's episode. Welcome to the Paragold Podcast. This is Jerry Pickney, and today I'm joined by Green County Tech Superintendent Gene Weeks. Gene, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. I want to start with a, a softball question for you. What exactly does a superintendent do? Well, that's, if you name it, we probably do it. Um, uh, I could be driving a bus this afternoon. Um, I could be... Uh, you know, meeting with a parent this afternoon or talking to a principal today. Uh, But most days you just want to make sure the school uh, is safe and a comfortable place for kids to come in and uh, learn and be fed and to be uh, taken care of. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not unlike being a principal or a teacher. It's just on a bigger scale. Probably a lot of my interaction during a normal day would be with principals and admin and uh, leaders in technology or or food service or transportation or maintenance. So um, it it changes day to day. It's not the same day two days in a row, but it's a you do not know what's going to hit you when you get there every day. <laughs> you said that you know you mentioned keeping the kids safe and providing an environment where you know they can learn. And I'm, I'm curious. What has it been like thinking about a safe environment for kids to learn? What has it been like to try to lead the school district in the middle of a global pandemic? Uh, being a superintendent is challenging as it is. Being an educator is challenging as it is at any level. Uh, but during a pandemic, is taking it to uh, a level I couldn't imagine. Uh, I'm so proud of our staff, our teachers, our bus drivers. Uh, our maintenance people. The other day, I was sharing a positive with the school board, and we'd cut almost five miles of PCP pipe to build shields for our kids and our wow. and our teachers. And so, it's uh, you know you, you talk about a PCR test or and a or maybe a COVID uh, by next test that. So a lot of different terminology that you would have never thought of a year ago, you know, quarantine and uh, distance learning. So it's been a huge curve, learning curve for not only me, but all the people that are dealing with this in education. So um, if you like challenges, then this was a year to be a school admin or a superintendent or even a teacher. Would you say you like challenges? I think that's something in me that uh, I like opportunities to get better every day. Mm-hmm. And I tell every, I've told people that this is going to be a tough year, but we're going to be better educators when we get finished with this school year than we were going in. And I've seen that from um, just the different ways that we've learned how to 
communicate with kids and parents and and teach. Um, I don't know if it's going to be as good of successful year as a face to face, but we are going to grow as educators and be better at the end of this uh, pandemic. Yeah, that's a theme that we continue to see rise through this podcast is people talking about how hardships have made them better. And that's been an unforced topic. Uh, That's not something that we have been fishing for or tried to bring to the surface. It just keeps coming up. I'm curious for you, you said, you know, you like challenges, but then you said, I like that it presents an opportunity for us to get better. Where did that mindset come from, that challenges present an opportunity for us to get better? I think that's built into me from my early years as an educator. Uh, I started out as a coach, and um, every day you want to improve. You don't want to be uh, – you want to be better than you were the day before, so you're always trying to figure out ways to motivate your kids, uh, to inspire your kids to uh, to get to that next level. Um, I think it's that half-glass-full mentality that – you can find the positive if you want to on uh, any situation. So um, I, I just think that's a fun way to live life and to experience uh, your day-to-day is that, hey, let's, let's make something positive happen. So you've been a superintendent for six years, and I'm curious. We'll talk more about that in just a little bit. But how did you get here to this point as a superintendent? Um, where did you come from? Kind of what – what road did you travel to get where you are today? Because I'm guessing you don't. Most people don't just wake up and become a superintendent. So, what, take me take me back. I'd like to even go back as far as maybe childhood. Tell us a little bit about kind well, of how you grew up, where you grew up. I grew up in uh, Harrisburg, which is south of here, south of Jonesboro. Um, had an awesome childhood. My mom and dad uh, were great role models. I don't think I ever. Uh, remember my mom or dad calling in sick. Uh, there was high expectations as far as about getting up, going to school. I can remember the first seven years of my schooling, I did not miss a day. Uh, and uh, I can remember, we, I was a big hunter and fisherman, and I remember the first day we missed school because they were talking about leaving to go to deer camp on a, and it was like a Friday or a Thursday, and I said, can we miss school? It was not even in my uh database that you could miss school so I think that I got a really great start with great parents because they set the example it's not uh, what they told us is how they modeled for me and my two siblings I've got a older sister who lives in Dallas two years older than me and I got a younger brother who lives in Jonesboro two years younger than me so I was a middle child uh, they both think that I'm mom's favorite but um, it it was a growing up Harrisburg was a small town, s- small school system, and so I got to participate in a lot of activities. I actually marched in the band and played sports. What uh, you play in the band? I was a drummer, okay. so I was not a very good musician. I did marry the band director's daughter, so I did get something from the band program. <laughs> so. Uh, that's uh you know i, I married uh, my high school sweetheart and uh, she was a uh, um you know there's country songs she says they're slim the pickings were slim when i picked him so but i i think that i was blessed that i got a partner that made me a lot better so and uh, i got some really good in-laws that you know were 
school people, and I think that might have even set the tone that school, you know, teaching might be a good career for me. So you got, um, so you, so you graduated high school from Harrisburg. You married out of that, or did you go to college first? I went to college first, okay. and then where'd you go to college at? Oh, that's a great story. I, my sister was a majorette at the University of Arkansas, and she was two years older. So I just, you know, we were all first generation college kids. Her being the first, and then me second, and then my brother third, and so I just followed her to the Fayetteville. I didn't know anything about it. I was not prepared for school. I just like. My sister went Fayetteville. She's my dread up there. I'm going to just follow her. And I went up there, and and after a year, I missed playing sports. So on the way um, was Arkansas Tech and Russellville. And I'd kind of gotten some mail-outs from them when I was in high school my senior year. And I just said – so I stopped by there and met with the coaches one day and said, hey, how could I come and play sports? You know, a smaller university. I knew I couldn't play at the University of Arkansas in – uh, got to walk on there and played a year at Arkansas Tech, and then after, what'd you play? I was wide receiver, okay. and uh, I broke my ankle when I was home after spring football practice, and then so that really kind of put my career on hold. And and then my younger brother was starting college at ASU, he, so me and him went to ASU and had an older, our younger friend between us that uh, got us the joined and playing intramurals and so they, we joined a fraternity I was a, a junior and my brother was a freshman and we were um, fraternity brothers <laughs> pledge brothers so it was pretty unique but had a really good experience at ASU had a great experience at Arkansas Tech and at the University of Arkansas but I graduated from ASU uh, and then started my coaching and teaching career at Green County Tech okay so you came right out went to Green County Tech yes what year was that 84, 85, it was kind of – I'd only been to Perryville a few times in my life. Uh, there used to be a Alexander Ham, uh, Alexander Tennis Center here in town, and it was an indoor tennis center, and I played a lot of tennis in college. And uh, Man, now you're talking my language. You still play tennis? <clears throat> I, I have not played in years, but uh, it's a great sport. I, I love playing it. And, uh, but anyway, I'd come up here and played in yeah. tennis. Yeah. And how I found out, and I came up here in the eighth grade, and I stood on the sideline, did not get to play in, in junior high. And But Tech had just started football in the mid-70s, 73. And so I was, it was probably early in their career. And I just remember that the field was just almost all dirt. And standing on the sideline, I just ate a lot of dirt watching the game. But those were my first memories of Paragol coming up as a, college student playing tennis in the indoor center and then that eighth grade experience out of green county tech watching home from the sidelines a dust bowl <laughs> but now you're back it's 84 85. Right? 85 okay and were you head coach high school right out of there or how it started out i was assistant head coach um, um and then uh, the second year the Coach Stan Caffey was our head coach, and he wanted to coach both teams because he wanted to put his stamp on the program. And and um, the junior high was really good that year. So when those kids were moving up, he said, well, I, I think I just want to coach the high school. And I don't think the junior high team were going to be very good. And I, wasn't, I was young and just 
full of vinegar. And I said, man, I, I yeah. coached the junior high, yeah. so I was the only one on the staff that I think they really wanted to. <laughs> so I became a head junior high coach my second year and really got fortunate. We had a kid moved in from Oklahoma. His name was Robbie Arnold, and he was a great high school athlete. And he uh, – he he made me a good coach that first year. We had <laughs> we, we had a winning record, and then I got very fortunate. The next two years, we had some good athletes in junior high, and we put together uh, three back-to-back winning seasons. And uh, and then the head coach Stan Caffey took a job uh, back in Texas, where he was from originally, and I got to jump up to the high school level as a very young person. Wow! So, so I was, it was the late eighties. Yes, so my fourth year, my fifth year, I was head coach at a 3A school at the time, and uh, and we had some good athletes coming through. So we had a very – I ended up staying 11 years, and we had uh, some good years. Texan traditionally not a football school. I tell everybody that if you're – if you're 500, you were pretty good, and uh, you can be 500 at – Green County Tech coaching football and become superintendent someday. <laughs> uh, I, I, t- I tell the basketball coaches if you go 500 here at Tech, you're not going to last very long. It's a it's been a traditionally a stout basketball school. We've had our years in football this past year. We had a good year, uh, six yeah. and four, and made the first round of playoffs and lost a game with you know less than 30 seconds on the game by a point. But um, it's a uh, it was a uh, I had a great time. Uh, coaching it was not work to me uh yeah it had to be when you're putting in 100 plus hours a oh, week man. so you ever miss it i do miss the kids and i do miss friday nights i do not miss back then we painted the field we mowed the field the grass uh you had to travel to get your game tapes uh, after or early in the morning before saturday practices so that grind and you worked every day for four months solid so you my wife uh i could tell by the music she was playing when i got home whether or not it was uh uh she'd she'd moved on without me during those four months so after the football season you'd have to kind of get reacquainted so um it it's tough the time that people put in when they're coaching and it's it's you don't get any time off but i was young and it was more like a hobby and a passion, so I, I loved every minute of it. Yeah. What did you enjoy the most about it? I think uh, being around those kids every day and watching them grow as as people, uh, teaching those life skills, I think that's what a lot of parents don't understand or they miss out, and it's frustrating that it's, it's about playing time or being the star, and really... I miss teaching those kids about discipline, mm. uh, perseverance, mm. uh, getting knocked down, getting back up, uh, having good character, being respectful. Mm. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Um, watching those kids, uh, you know, learn those life skills and then go on into life and be very successful. It's uh, I, I've been. It's like having, like, was head coach for 11 years. It's like having seven or 11 years of sons out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, also teaching. I had a lot of uh, great young ladies in my classroom. I was lucky enough to teach health. And 
back then, every kid had to have a health like it is today. So I taught every kid in the high school, 10th grade. So if I didn't have them first semester, I had them second semester. So those young years of teaching, I I got to know every kid in the school. So that was a, a blessing. Some of them, uh, you know, you you were glad it was a semester class and they got to move on. And some of them, you really missed them when they moved on. Yeah, I could see that. You still keep up with sports? Yes. Uh, uh, a little bit, not like you'd think I would. It's not um, because just watching the games, it's not what I enjoy the most, I guess. If I watch, if game's on, I'll watch it, but I don't, uh, I don't, I don't follow it like it's yeah. life and death. Yeah. It's not life and death. Right. It's good for those kids. They need to enjoy it. They need to get some things out of it, but it's it's not something that I have to have every day. Sure. So you eventually uh, decided, I guess, because of the time commitment, family priorities. Hey, I want to, I want to step out of coaching. Is that kind of was it more well, of a, was think it a push it, or more of a pull? I don't. I think I was. We we went four and six my last two years, and I was just disappointed and not this. That's probably Adam Breckenridge's fault. Well, Adam was on that team. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> but we had the last year we had 43 kids on the team, and I I was so proud of that bunch because they dressed all 10 games. None of them did not show up, and, and they played nicked and banged up. And, you know, I, Coach Conaway, I. I tease him. He, you know, you, we mentioned him a little bit. He was the last quarterback I coached, and actually, he was three-year starter. He went in a halftime of his sophomore year, and then mm. uh, his junior year, we were three and zero, and he tore his ACL, oh, and wow. we we ended up, uh, you know, finishing four and six, and had to play a younger quarterback. But I think that, and then his senior year. He uh, quarterbacked us, but his junior year, we ended up playing him on JB Monday nights and. Uh, Friday night, so I I tease him that he got to play in 17 high school football games his junior year, and we didn't make the playoffs. So that was pretty. It might be child abuse today if, if we <laughs> yeah. did that to a kid. <laughs> I was about to say the. Uh, I, I'm guessing football sports in general school it has changed tremendously since the 80s. It's unbelievable the change, just the technology that those, you know, they. The, the kids can watch every play of all their opponents and they can break the film down in seconds and they can press a button and it goes to the next opponent and they can pick get the next opponent so that's crazy and then uh, you know everybody has trainers now and uh, everybody plays on uh, artificial turf you, you don't mm, have to worry about the mud I mean I don't know the last time that that I've seen our teams play on a, a grass field. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's outstanding because you you don't have to worry about. Uh, it's just a lot better playing surface than grass and mud by the end of the season and on a rainy night. Sure. It's yeah. just you have a lot cleaner game yeah. and and just this it's um, you know especially now that we have soccer in the spring. You know, the, mm -hmm. those fields, fields are ready. They're ready, that, and they don't know. You don't miss practice. Kids doesn't have to miss practice for any sport, but they because they can get yeah. out there on it. So, 
Sure. And we use ours that's on the main campus, so it's outstanding for recess and lunch breaks. It's kids are on it all the time. Yeah. So I can remember when I was a coach and um, I was in charge of the grass, so I wanted it to look like a golf course, and I'd step out there and the guy was hitting golf balls on it, taking divots out of it, and. I asked him, "Hey, let's don't do that." And he said, "I'm a taxpayer, and I, uh, uh, and I, I can hit out here." And I said, "Well, you you also pay taxes on the fire truck, but you don't get to go out there and drive it." So I just know that we <laughs> wanted to take care of that field for a Friday night. So the thing about a, you know, you kept everybody off of it, PE class and everybody. You had to be the bad guy. So I'm glad we don't have to be the bad guy. We let kids out on the field every day, all day. <laughs> That's awesome. So you um, eventually step in, I guess, was it late 90s, and becoming a principal? Uh, actually, I uh, after 98, since fall 98, I had an opportunity to go into private business. Okay. Uh, and uh, if people don't, there used to be a car wash in Jonesboro called the Elephant Car Wash. Man, that's right. And I was the first manager of that car wash. So uh, that was a really interesting story. Yeah, how did you get into that? Well, you thought, man, anything must be easier than public school. I, I really thought that, you know, um, I'll just tell the quick story if we got time. Yeah. I was, my brother, he had gotten out of coaching. He was a coach for 13 years and he coached at Paragool. And at one time, he was the head junior high coach at Paragool and I was a head junior high coach at Tech for a couple of years. Really? So. so you guys competed against one another? Yes. Who has the winning record? I have it in junior high. He tells me that he his late in his career he was defense coordinator and that he says he, he was defense coordinator a couple of years ago. And he says that I know he beat me us last year, I'm pretty sure, but I know I've got the numbers on him. But The question is, where did your mom sit? Half the time she'd switch sides. Okay. All so right. she'd sit on both sides. So it was pretty – I know it had to be tough on her All because right. – it's, uh, but you just, you know, they said that uh, they accused you of being her favorite, so I was just curious. Yes. So. Well, uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> so we'll get back to the car wash. Yeah. You? So I guess my brother, he needed a, he needed, he would move to Jonesboro and he was building a house and he felt like he could save some money if I would come down and help him haul sheetrock up to the second floor of this house he was building. And, uh, maybe a dollar sheet or something. There's no telling with my brother. <laughs> and anyway, uh, Lee Hogue, his brother-in-law, was uh, one put, he was a 25% partner on the car wash. And he said, uh, Gene, we're, you know a lot of people. We're putting this car wash in. Do you know anybody that would be a good manager? And I said, man, we just hired a great assistant principal who got out of coaching at the time. It was Scott Durham. He had coached at ASU for, and we were high school uh, uh, teammates and he and my played a year at Arkansas Tech together and then when I got the head coaching job at Tech he was the uh, I hired him as our head junior high coach and and after a couple of years he wanted to get in college coaching so he went as a GA at Arkansas State and he survived five coaching changes down there and uh, and he he had just left coaching to get in administration and he we just hired him as assistant principal at Tech and I said man we could have I said Scott Durham he lives here in town he'd been a great guy for you and uh, he uh, I said well, what do you got and he started talking about the car wash and I said well what did it pay and he shot a number out there and you gotta remember we didn't make much money back early coaches we were not on extended 
we went on a 12-month contract, so I mowed the grass and worked in the maintenance department in the summer. So it was a good opportunity for me, family-wise, mm-hmm. to get out of coaching. I didn't realize it, didn't put it all together that the car wash was going to be open seven days a week, 364 days. I do know that that was my favorite Christmas the year I worked there because that was the only day we were closed. <laughs> so It's a really I, special day then. Yeah, I worked there for 18 months, and then – the last principal I worked for was uh, Dr. Dotson, and uh, and Scott stayed two years as assistant principal, and Mr. Uh, Dr. Dotson called me, uh, and I'd been gone 18 months, and said, hey, Scott's leaving education. I need assistant principal. Would you hmm. be willing to come back? And and uh, I, I guess it was timing was right, and I came back in education as assistant principal at high school, and and worked for four different assistant or four principals in three years as assistant and uh, almost got out of went back to coaching and uh, really and uh, you almost left being a principal yes back to coaching yes why is that assistant principal at high school is a tough job you have to be uh, you're you're the police and you're the fun police <laughs> you're the disciplinarian you're the spirit killer. There's a lot of oh, nicknames, uh, a lot of them that they write on sidewalks when you're assistant yeah. principal. And that was, I was that coach and teacher, and then all of a sudden I've got to be the heavy. So there's a lot of stories out there. You know, you mentioned Matthew Miller earlier, my son-in-law. You know, I, I Matthew messed up a couple times, and I still hear it today <laughs> that I was picking on him, but I was just trying to make him do right. So, um yeah, but, that seems to be the uh, opposite of any of the spirit killer. Like just the time I've been around you, like yeah. that seems to be the opposite of what you want to do with your life. Well, I think that's been assist principal, but somebody's got to, yeah. somebody's going to deal with all the disciplines that get written Some up. Somebody's got to, who's not coming to school, who's not doing their work. You're, you're dealing with kids that need, but I say that I also think that I got to coach kids up as assistant principal. Um, I think I had a positive impact on a lot of kids as assistant principal. But anyway, uh, I that was a we most schools go through a lot of assistant principals. Okay, they want to move up and yeah. become in that principal's role. It's not sometimes not as negative. But anyway, uh, so you I, almost left that went back to coaching. Almost went back coaching, and Michael Todd, he was a, he was just he'd been assistant principal, and he was my defense coordinator, and he was getting moved up to the junior high principal, and he said, "Don't go back into coaching. Won't you come help me at the junior high?" And that really saved my admin career because he worked for Mr. Chester Key, and he was probably one of the best admins that I worked for as a teacher and a coach and so Michael was mentored by Mr. Key and so I really picked up a lot of skills from Mr. Todd but I give Mr. Key credit for mentoring him and yeah, that what, what made him good he was just so organized and uh, he was the same guy every day and he scared you to death as a teacher working for him or a young coach working for him but underneath that, he had an unbelievable heart for kids. Mm-hmm. So I think that when I see good admin or when I'm trying to hire good administrators, I think you want to hire someone with a great heart. If they've got a great heart, everything else takes care of its place. And uh, you mentioned earlier what a superintendent does every day. 
um, one of the things I get to do is to get to hire principals, and it's I look for that I look for that principal that has a great heart. And same way when I was hiring teachers as principal or assistant coaches, look for someone that has a good heart, mm-hmm. and that, and then you're not gonna go wrong. They're gonna do what's right for kids. I love that we. Um... <clears throat> We have a, a man in our church, uh, Tim Parrott, who's assistant principal at Perigold High School. And I was talking with Debbie Smith earlier. And it's funny you said that because it's literally what she said about Tim Parrott, her assistant principal. It's like he's a, he, he actually, before he took the job, he said, the only way I'm going to take this job is if you let me still teach. So he still teaches an AP calculus class. And it's just because he loves the kids so much. And Debbie was just saying, like, that's why he's an incredible assistant superintendent. Kids, assistant principal. kids know if you care about them. Uh, I always tell people that they won't remember what you tell them, but they'll remember how you make them feel. Mm-hmm. And you can, man, you can have a, a kids are like a plant. You can be their sunshine, their water, their fertilizer. And that's really what being a good educator is about is being that sunshine for that kid when they need it, being that rain. Sometimes you got to prune them, mm-hmm. that plant, and mm-hmm. you got to be, a, you know, hard and tough on them. But... If they know that you care about them, you can get them to do what you need them to do. Yeah, absolutely. So you become a principal when? What year? Well, uh, 2000, okay. and I was three years assistant high school principal, one year as a junior high assistant principal for Mr. Todd, and then Robert Dodson was the soup at that time, and he said we'd built the primary down on rocking chair, and they were doing some buildings uh, movement and they needed the intermediate principal and he said hey, I want to move you to the intermediate and I said man I, I'm so happy work for Mr. Todd I really don't want to be a principal I just want to be assistant he said no you're going to do it so I go up there for a year and have an unbelievable year probably one of the best years I ever had as a hmm. uh, as a school was the year I was just, uh intermediate principal those kids sixth and seventh grade I was really hmm. they were you could just make a big impact on those kids at that mm-hmm. age. And uh, so I really loved that. I got to hire Scott Garish as my assistant, mm-hmm. and that was Scott's first year. He was assistant, or he was a math teacher over at high school when I was assistant. And, um, you know, my background was in coaching and motivation. Scott's background, he did coach a little bit, but he was a great math teacher. I mean, and so he provided that academic side for me. And then... After years, um, Sheila Ford became our superintendent, and she asked me to go back to the high school as the principal. And uh, I said, I'll do it, but I need to. I got to take Scott Garish with me, and then I got to take both my secretaries with me mm-hmm. at the time Mary Davis and uh, Diane Rogers. Yeah. And another thing that I think that's helped me is that I've been so blessed to be around really good people. God's put in my path, he's always put good people around me. I've been, you know, well, I mentioned my parents. I mentioned uh, my wife. Mm-hmm. I mentioned my siblings. Uh, I mentioned some of the coaches that I got to work with and, and some of the principals I got to work with So, and work for. Um, so I was always and still have been surrounded by very good people. Do you think part of that's because you understand where you're weak and therefore who you need to surround yourself with? Because you made the comment about, garish and math and you're like yeah i need to bounce so i i think that's where i've been either i figured that out or i was really really lucky but i've always had people that would uh, make up uh my weaknesses um so that 
I, I'm not. I think you also don't be afraid to hire somebody a lot smarter and a lot better than you. Yeah. Man, it's Absolutely. makes your job a lot better. Yeah. So it takes a ton of humility. Well, uh, or you just want to survive. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're going to need all the help you can get. Uh, I think that if you if I looked at my leadership style, I would think that uh, I can make a decision, but I loan a lot of people giving me input. Yeah. Uh, you talked about being a superintendent. Uh, I think one of our biggest jobs every day is that we make a ton of decisions, and every one of them can go. It's not black and white. It's a lot in the gray, mm-hmm. and you're dealing with people and their lives, and no matter what you decide, you're going to make some people happy. Some yeah. people are going to be upset with you every day. So you. How do you how do you deal with that the the criticism? It's hard uh, to be honest with you, but you know I thought about well you got to have thick skin, but I think what you do is you just you, you try not to have any bias. You just try to listen to all sides of the issue and you try to get input from people that you trust, and then you just make what's best decision for that person or the situation the best you can, and knowing that. Uh, it's not going to be the most popular sometimes. So I guess it's, uh, it's I'm very lucky that I'm late in my career. I, I get to, I'm not under the stress that some young people are that, you know, that I don't have to, if I believe in it and I can't, you know, I, I, I think I can handle that just because I'm, I've done all those roles we talked about. I'm late in my career, and I've had a lot of experience as a teacher, coach, assistant principal, principal, assistant superintendent a year, now superintendent. So a lot of these decisions that uh, I get to make on a daily basis, I've, I've got background. I know where I've screwed up. Uh, i got a saying is it's okay to get a bump on your head, but don't get a bump on a bump. I love to tell kids that when I was a principal because they, they're going to mess up. And you don't want to take their dignity away from them when you correct them, when you're mentoring them. You want them to realize, hey, mm-hmm. I, I messed up. But mm-hmm. uh, that's not the end of the world. If uh, you know, A lot of times you can't. You got to keep the kids on in the game. You can't kick them out of school. You got to keep them in the game. Hearing you talk, there's a theme, and in, in the men that I respect the most and I think are great leaders is um, challenges or opportunities and failure don't define you. Like we're all going to fall, we're all going to make mistakes, and and you can learn from those and you can grow. I, that that seems to be, and and then and then with you, what I love is. I can't imagine being in your position to where probably every decision you make, somebody's not going to like it. And what it, I would imagine just in hearing you talk is you've got to be a man of conviction and you've got to really believe in what you're doing, which allows you to then lay your head down at night and know, you know what, that wasn't the most popular decision, but I truly believe that this is best for these kids. That's, that is being that superintendent in a nutshell because, you know, the other day we had to pivot, um, we had to pivot in a couple of buildings the second time we pivoted. And I knew the second now, not only um, when you make a decision and you get it out there, you're going to get feedback immediately. Oh, Everybody's yeah. going to be able to post it. Um, and I knew as soon as we pivoted that it, the phone calls were going to be coming in. So you got to you got to be 
I think another thing, too, is be a good listener mm-hmm. because you want to hear those parents that call you. I think of a couple of parents that called when we pivoted, and my heart ached for them because they need their kids in school. They've got to go to work. And uh, so um, so you're getting that side that they need them here, and then you got the other parents that are scared to death, and why are you still having my kid come to school every day? And uh, uh why are you making why are you keeping school open so uh, I don't get to open and close schools uh, without the state department getting feedback from them so I tell them where we are and and then they tell me yes you can pivot or no you don't need to pivot but uh, state's been good the you know we pivoted three buildings before Thanksgiving and and then two buildings after Thanksgiving to get through the first semester to 100% virtual and so uh, Knowing that making that decision is hard, hardship on kids. Uh, you got kids that need that mm-hmm. lunch, breakfast, that lunch mm-hmm. meal, and they need that teacher, that interaction with them. So um, we're going to try to keep the doors open as much as possible. Uh, but when you do run out of staff, uh, that it's uh, the pandemic's a challenge. Yeah. And so uh, I know the day that we're this is the first day back from Christmas and. It, it seemed like, you know, every uh, you get a phone call, well, so-and-so's turned out to be a close contact. So-and-so's going home with, and uh, we have the, you know, we're testing in all our buildings now. We were one of the first mm. schools that were able to test in all the buildings. Uh, mm. So this morning, I know we tested 14 teachers at the high school, and, and boom, right before any of them had contact, we lost two, you know, oh, wow. with the positive test. So... It's and changing. Welcome back. welcome back. So it's it it changes and it's uh, 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 yeah. but I just feel like that I'm gonna make the best decision I can. Sure. I'll teach you something here that I think one thing I learned is sometimes we make bad decisions and I I call it decision fatigue because we're making so many decisions so quickly in a day and you'll make a bad decision so um and and someone said how did you make that bad decision and if that was the only decision you had to make that day you probably wouldn't have messed it up but Mm -hmm. sometimes you'll make a bad decisions uh i think of you know some of the ones that i made i said if i'd had a but you're just people want to answer they're calling you and you give them an answer and you don't know it 100 percent, or you made too many decisions and so but when you do make a bad decision, don't be afraid to back up and change it. Mm. Take ownership for it, right? Yes. Yeah, it's so easy to want to shift the blame to somebody else. And that seems to be certainly a mark of a good leader, someone who just says, you know, that was my bad. Yep. Like the receiver that dropped a catch, right? You look right. at the quarterback. That was on me. <laughs> right? That was on me. I, I just think that's, uh, especially when you're dealing with young people and uh, people that are that are, you're working with, if they see that, you made a bad decision and you can accept that bad decision then maybe they don't they don't feel so you know a lot of times uh, uh, people appreciate that i i think that they're appreciative if you man enough or woman enough to say hey i messed up i don't mind backing up and so absolutely so you became superintendent what year uh six years ago six years ago so that was okay yeah 2013 my math right 14 
it's 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 yeah. I, I so, do, you know I've been in Texas over seventy five years old. It was started in forty eight, so we we've had uh, quite a few superintendents. Um, I was telling you the nineteen seventy two to present day that I'm the second superintendent's made it six years, so I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> so it's a uh, it's a big accomplishment. It's it is uh, uh, it's it's just that the wear and tear and the stress i can see why people have not made it but uh, i've really enjoyed it it's been some challenging we uh we get opportunity to you know what makes some improvements every day and i think the longer you get sitting in that seat and the mm-hmm. more you can uh, improve the school district yeah. i know we've some of the disappointments i can remember sitting in this seat is that we've tried for a couple millages and didn't quite get yeah. it and it's tough passing taxes but yeah. uh, someday tech will need to do that to yeah. keep the school as where it needs to be um, we're below the state average is uh, now and it's it'll only um, things don't get cheaper so I would probably not on my watch but someday uh, the Eagle Nation needs to think about it when someone comes sure. to them with the opportunity to do something financially yeah you talked about the improvements. What are some of the things that you've seen improved over your time at GCT? Or maybe another way of asking the questions, what are you now most proud of when you think about the school district? Well, we talked about some challenges and opportunities. Um, I know when I became superintendent, we were not very good technology. Uh, and that's a financial, you know, a lot of financial with that. So we just started, you know, figuring out a way to scrape those pennies together and come up and so um, when I became superintendent we had only Wi-Fi in two of our six buildings and now we have uh, five five in every building and four of them have state-of-the-art new technology and then we were not one-to-one in technology we were very it took us six weeks to give our end of the course test because we didn't have enough computers and now uh, you know, we took a tough situation, this COVID, mm-hmm. shutting school down early. Uh, the one part of it was good financially. We saved some money last spring, and then we got the CARES Act. And between those two things, we were able to really help our technology. So every kid, when we pivoted this year, has the technology they need or the device they need to, to do virtual learning. Uh, I'm not saying that that's the best but at least they have a chance now. So yeah. I think um, technology was a big positive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, our foundation, you know, we talked a little bit about turf field. Mm-hmm. They, the foundation, that's all private money, and that uh, how it helped every kid in the school, especially on the main campus that has a place when it's uh, when it's muddy to go and play outside. They don't have to stay inside. Uh, and then uh, I would think transportation, we uh, we run one of the, you know, 43 bus routes. Wow. And uh, the bus fleet was in really tough shape when I got there, and we really probably replaced over half of the 40 buses now with new buses. So that's yes. been a challenge financially, but very rewarding when – you don't get the phone calls. The bus is breaking down every afternoon. Yeah, and I hear I hear stories. I did a little research on you before you came on that you've rode on the buses before yourself. Uh, I've heard of uh, even after your coaching days. I hear you. I hear you that you 
whatever position you're in, you like to be as close to the people you're leading as possible. And I've heard of, if you hear there's a problem on a bus, <laughs> I you have, you'll ride and try to learn about that. Is that true? I have been on many of buses. Uh, uh, it's, you know, I always tell the principals that they really need to have their CDL. You know, you can't really be in the school business if you can't move kids around. So, mm. But I've always had my CDL, 35 years. There's not been a year I haven't gotten on a bus and driven it. Um, I can remember as assistant principal uh, having to take a kid off the bus, and I ended up taking them home in my personal car. And <laughs> so it was a chance I felt like that I could mentor a kid, talk to him one-on-one, and make him a better student and a better bus rider sometimes. And I think you, you know, were a principal when you did that, or you said a superintendent when you did that? Well, I've, I've done it as assistant superintendent. I took kids home before because I was over transportation. Yeah. And uh, uh, really, I think of one kid right now that he's a senior this year, and uh, he, he's going to get across the stage. But I think a lot of it is the relationship that I built during those 10 days, picking him up in the mornings and getting him to school because his dad couldn't get him to school in the morning if he was off the bus and couldn't really put him back on the bus because he was, he'd been a knucklehead. But uh, I, I think that had opportunity to mentor that kid, and and uh, uh, I'm really proud that he's going to walk across stage this year as a senior, and that was seven years ago. Man, that's incredible. Relationships, are they seem to be really important to you. I think so. I, I cherish those relationships, and there's – talking about making a teacher excited or a coach or a principal is when you see a kid it clicks for them and they they decide to be a better person or a better student or they're they become a better student or a person because you had ability to step in there and and be a part of their life and mentor them Uh, you know most kids can be get there if you if they got some uh I I stole this from from one of the best educators that I've worked with, Nancy Mangrum. She's got 45-plus years. She's still teaching. She's out to high school. She works with our special need kids, and she also works with our student council kids. And I got to work with her as a co-worker, and then I was her principal, and now I'm her superintendent. But she said this, and it always stuck to me, every kid needs a cheerleader. And if they've got a cheerleader, they got a chance. And, mm. you know, my cheerleader for my mom and dad, sometimes a kid, their only cheerleader is going to be that teacher or that band director or that third-grade teacher. That That's the first time someone's been their cheerleader, and we all need cheerleaders, and we'll perform better if we got a cheerleader. Man, there's somebody life. in your corner that believes in you. Correct. Is that what gets you up still in the morning to do your job? Is it just thinking about those kids that maybe they wouldn't have walked across the stage if it wasn't for what you do, the influence you get to have? I think, you know, we talked about my parents set that stage that had good work ethics, and I think that continued with me. Uh, I think I passed that on. My wife and I passed that on to our daughter, Whitney. Uh, So, yes, I can remember, you know, you remember some of your failures. I can remember a kid that... uh, uh, he was a student over at CRA, and he came up a half credit short, and they called, and and uh, and uh, um, needed a half credit in summer school. And I was high school principal, and I said, "Yeah, send him over, and we'll get him half credit." And I wasn't there the first day of summer school, and he 
didn't follow somehow it it uh, he got he didn't get in and he didn't get that credit and I always felt you know man I wished I'd have been there that day didn't know until later after the fact that um, we didn't help that kid get across the stage you know and so when you're not there somebody may need you so that responsibility in my mind is I need to be there because I don't know who got this going to need me today but Mm -hmm. if I'm not there my fear is uh, I'm not there to make a difference or step in there for a kid that needs that or a teacher or a parent that needs that person for them in that life so that that burden that responsibility is there how do you um, you know people don't see those that are you know, probably criticizing you on social media with this decision or that decision. They don't see the mornings where you're transporting a kid on top of everything else you have going on. How do you keep from becoming bitter or cynical in the midst of all of that? Um, I, I'm not a social media person. I, I, I don't have Facebook, and uh, I know it's out there because everybody takes a snapshot of it and sends it to me and then so uh, a lot of times they just don't know the whole story mm. and that's why they they don't think it's the best decision and it may not be the best decision from their point mm. of view so um, again um, it'll make you you know first night last night I didn't when I woke up I started thinking about school and I couldn't go to bed until I got up and wrote down the four or five things that I needed to make sure I took care of today so um, um, if I I think criticism if some I get criticism even if it's on social media I want to make sure that I revisit that you know um, we talked about being a superintendent I think you want to God give us two ears to listen and one mouth to speak so be a good listener. I think that's very important in the leadership role is that we listen. And even that criticism, uh, I'll say this, uh, you, you know, even a crazy person gets right every once in a while. So <laughs> that's the challenge is when you got someone out there and you think they might be a little crazy, you need to listen to them because even a crazy person yeah. gets it right every once in a while. So that's kind of, <laughs> I guess, the way I put that uh, in the right perspective that, uh, they could be right, so I need to, you know, put some attention to it. Yeah, man, I, I love that. It's uh, yeah, it's it's just again a mark of humility of just understanding that first off, I can learn something probably from every one of my critics. There's maybe a, a nugget of truth in there somewhere. Yes, and then also realizing that hey, you know, they don't have the whole story. They've built up a story in their head that they have been convinced is true. Yeah, and. So maybe we get a chance to educate, which is yes. what you do. Yes. So um, to end, I'm just curious, is there anything for those who might be listening um, that's just whether they have a kid in the school district or considering putting the kid in the school district or just anything else that you would like to say um, from where you sit about Green County Tech and about the, what the, what the job that the teachers are doing or the administration is doing? Uh, I, you know, educating a kid takes a whole community and we're just part of it and we want to do our part the best of our ability Uh, it's always best if you you know start with that kid's teacher or that kid's system principal or principal and you know 
going to the you know social media on the first when you get a report it's probably not best for you uh you're not you're going to have to work the system and then and then uh, so don't be afraid to talk to those people it's a, they're there they've they've spent their whole life trying to make it better for kids so mm-hmm. it give them a chance if you're if you don't have a you know if something's not going your way but you know we talked a little bit about some of the negative but we also have a lot of good parents that are unbelievable supporters of green county tech and um i i think of uh, some of the parents that i got to work with it's uh, it's just about that relationship build that relationship with your kids uh teachers and and their coaches and you know be a partnership and every school district if you'll invest some time in your kid in that school district as a parent then you'll get what you need to get out of it so i would say uh, i love green county tech i spent most of my adult life there and got it's just like a big family it's a big school but it's like a small school family Uh, we got over 500 employees so it's uh, i'm one of the older family members now but it's uh, i would say if you wanted a uh, a great school system with a family atmosphere, Green County Tech would be a great place to send your kids. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much. I know it's got to be crazy busy for you coming out of the holiday season, so thank you for making space to be here. I know personally I was just blessed uh, by everything that you shared, and I know others will. Um, and so hope you have a, a fantastic rest of the year. Well, thank you. I enjoyed it. So that was Gene Weeks. Superintendent of the Green County Tech School District. I want Gene to be my life coach. Yep. He, I feel like there's so much I could learn from him if we would have had time to, yeah, I guess yeah, spend more time together. So really thankful um, for who he is, the influence I know that he has not only in the school district, but even beyond that. So Gene, again, thanks so much for coming on. And to those of you who are listening, thanks so much for giving us your time. Um, We are going to continue rolling on with our weekly special edition of School Spirit Week. And uh, tomorrow we will have the senior high uh, coaches from Paragolden Tech, the girls coaches. And then the day after that on Thursday, we'll have an episode with the senior high boy coaches. So you will not want to miss that as we lead up to the big rivalry and are they going to be in the room together they're going to be in the room together so we're going to see how that works out should be a lot of fun should be. hey um check us out if you have not at www.paragoldpodcast.com subscribe to our email and of course if you didn't already know this we're on twitter instagram and facebook and so please keep listening but Until next time.